0: Editor in chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We begin the day's show with some political news. First, a examination of the Georgia runoff race, and then I opine on the last vestiges of the GOP's civil war, which I thought was mostly resolved, but apparently isn't entirely, and I explain. Then we cover the latest Kanye West public meltdown news. He walked off of Tim Pool's popular podcast mid-show yesterday for what I think are pretty inexplicable reasons, which I get into. And then we have an epic woke update today. I haven't had one in a while, and it is uh, featuring, for example, a two-spirit Biden appointee who got caught literally stealing luggage and more in the uh, woke update, which is pretty pretty fascinating stuff. Some positive news is covered because the American gun industry does appear to be booming. I track that, plus a lot more headlines in the beginning of the show today. Then we have two guests. First is Raymond Arroyo of EWTN and Fox News fame, who has a new children's book out on Christmas, which really sounds terrific. I've ordered my copy. And then Herschel Walker is on the show as well. His runoff race is just a week away, and I get his take on uh, everything from mail voting to Trump's role in the runoff off to his epic fright night rant that he went on that went viral on the internet it's a pretty good interview with herschel and i think you'll enjoy it all that in the broadcast let's get into it suppose I will start with the Warnock Walker race because it is a very tight race but it's also one where we've got Herschel Walker in the lead in some polls including a Phillips Academy poll that came out yesterday where he's actually ahead now I used to always think the polls undercounted republicans but now due to community organizing and cheat by mail etc cetera, etc cetera, i feel like that you can always uh count on more democrats to eventually have more votes tallied in the end but that said is it going to be is it going to translate for a runoff election um I, I don't know if that's the case especially when there's no real negativity against walker there, there were republicans who openly did not want kelly loffler um and david Perdue to win the those senate runoffs in 2020 so uh, no one's doing that Uh, no one on the right is you know advocating we boycott because they're 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 too soft Uh, which was a truly amazing saga of all the amazing trump sagas and there's so many how he was very upset about the results of november 2020 didn't buy into them so he basically discouraged people from voting in the georgia runoff which gave to Senate seats to Democrats, Socialist Democrats, to the most left-wing members of our Senate, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, um, because Trump didn't like it, that he lost that state. And then we had um, Trump back David Perdue in a uh, in a primary against Governor Kemp in 2022. Kemp won by a large margin and then beat Stacey Abrams by a large margin in the general. And now Kemp has fired paid, filed paperwork to run against Trump, uh, we don't know for sure. He started Super PAC, so we don't know if he'll run for sure, but it looks likely that he's going to run for president in 2024. So that will be an amazing narrative to play out, and I'll be interested to see if uh, Governor Kemp, uh, when he's actually going up against Trump, assuming he does in a primary, if he'll introduce that concept. And if anyone will care, because that was the moral of yesterday's show, I think for a lot of viewers, uh, people have stopped caring about a lot of things you would think people would care about. So uh, it just seems like a lot of people kind of made up their mind about certain people and moved on. Um, there will be no MAGA rally as far as we can tell for Walker. Now, I I don't know why that is. Uh, I I understand that, you know, Trump's brand is not particularly hot right now, and it might have been at the request of the Walker campaign. I'll ask Herschel Walker this. I do not anticipate he will give me a straight answer. Just full disclosure, I'll ask him about it when he's there. But I do think I've been rooting for Trump getting the whole band together, get all of the stars of the conservative movement, and get them all together to say the importance of voting for uh, Herschel Walker. And it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. If you have a reaction to that, then I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all earth. But the Georgia Supreme Court recently sided with Democrats And they're going to allow early voting on Saturday in the Senate runoff election, which is just absolutely devastating. And uh, as is so often the case, you can have uh, a wishy-washy rhinoceros, um, uh, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to thank. So he's uh, a big part of this, as is so often the case. One of the most destructive figures in Republican politics. So one of the true bad guys. Uh, And I say this because I want you guys to know, I'm not trying to, just because I tell you sometimes on the show, I come in and I say, maybe this person isn't as bad as you think. Sometimes a person is absolutely as bad, Um, and that is uh, Brad Raffensperger. Very much cost Trump that state in 2020, and um, now it could be costing us another Senate seat this time around. Uh, We have the full write-up of this by Jordan Dixon Hamilton um, for us at Breitbart. That was a few days ago, that news. That was very bad news, um, if those of you who would like see Herschel Walker as the Senator. So we will go from there. Uh, there's one story that I want to bring up that is impossible to do justice on the radio. It's a long, comprehensive piece by Matt Boyle. Uh, bright part's on the front page now. And he's walking through a nightmare scenario where if a lot of these Republican objectors are do, do not throw in behind Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House, and it's only going to take about five or so, you could actually see a Democrat emerge as the Speaker of the House. And pretty wild that we would do this. Um, and um, it is a there's I've concluded that the a lot of elements of um, the, the right um, a lot of elements of the right are, are only know civil war mode right now. And it's impossible for us to get out of it. Uh, And I don't 100% trust Kevin McCarthy. Of course not. I don't 100% trust any politician. I don't know if I trust Kevin McCarthy more than average. But I will tell you something, that as a guy who was literally part of the, quote, Young Gun Caucus with Paul Ryan and Eric Cantor, that he is now basically talking a hardcore MAGA America First game on the issues is all you can really ask. We can't go back and make him a anti-establishment guy 10, 12 years ago when he thought the path forward was establishmentarian, you know, teaming up with Paul Ryan and Eric Cantor. Eric Cantor, of course, those of you who are knew the broadcast was a star rising uh, the Republican establishment congressman who lost in a shock primary to a guy named Dave Bratt and Breitbart was uh, so often the case, first on the ground in that one. Um, and I, I would say we may or may not have amped up. Brat's campaign pretty pretty substantially on that one. Um, but I'm told Cantor's doing quite well now, making lots and lots of money, and uh, shouldn't have been in the Congress anyway. So, uh, And then Paul Ryan, of course, turned into another one of those horrible figures in Republican politics and continues to be that way as a Fox News board member now who rags on Trump for a living. And then Fox News doesn't disclose it. Um, so we get in all that. But McCarthy took the other approach. He spent a lot of time um, breaking news at Breitbart. He spent a lot of time breaking news with Matt Boyle, coming on Matt Boyle's show on Saturday on the station. And he's done the stuff that you would want someone to do if they're trying to reform. Now, does that mean I trust him? Does that mean he'd be my pick if uh, we were you know, voting like it was a primary? No, but that's not, that's not how it works. There's only so many people who want that job. Um, there's only so many people who have remotely come close to earning that job. It's a very hard job. And you get the backing of some real hardcore people. The first person who told me that he thought McCarthy was a, a, a actually a really good guy is Devin Nunes. Who's more hardcore than Devin Nunes? Well, maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene, who already backs his uh, the speakership candidacy anyway. And I'm not even saying this to say that I've got a dog in the fight, to be honest with you. Personally, I don't know McCarthy well enough. Um, but I will say that all I asked at Breitbart all these years was for you clowns in the Republican Party to stop breaking all your news the New York Times and start breaking it with me, where the actual primary voters are and where the people who support your party and cut you checks are, and he's done that. So what more is he supposed to do? So still, we've got a handful of people who are objecting to his uh, speakership bid, which I understand, but when there becomes a practical matter of that if you are making some sort of principle stand that he's not a great guy, you could do better, we could do more hardcore, then there is a scenario that Boyle walks out where we actually give the speakership over to Democrats. So, and this brings me back to my point where I feel like we are constantly on the right in in Civil War mode now. It's as if we didn't fight our Civil War mode and and win. We fought our Civil War. It happened between 2012 and Donald Trump's election in 2016. After the disastrous Mitt Romney-Paul Ryan candidacy, the entire party shifted from the Republican establishment view of the party. The tax cuts and uh, debt is the only thing that matters and we should go into as many wars as possible. And we moved it to, we're bringing manufacturing back, we're ripping up NAFTA, we're going to build a wall and make Mexico pay for it. We're not going to get in every foreign entanglement um, and we're going to attack the media relentlessly instead of, of cozying up to them and trying to win them over. The whole party agrees on that stuff. And that was the you know, the 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 vision of Donald Trump and to a huge degree Breitbart News, which was at the forefront of this. And I'm not saying we're not going to have that battle again. We often do with Never Trump. That's another big one. It's still out there. And that could come up a little bit if the, the Never Trump crowd consolidates around one primary candidate. And we'll see how that candidate reacts to it if that does happen. Um, but overall, the civil war is done. And now we still feel like there's a lot of people just I, they would keep want to want to keep fighting civil wars, and I I just wonder what that impulse is. Is that why people can't just put down your sticks and just? Admit, is it is it fundraising? Is it really that people are that pure ideologically? I think it's an element of both. Um, but I I can't help but think of that um Japanese fighter who was in the jungle for 30 years after the war World War II and in the Philippines stationed in um, uh, the, there's a, a Japanese lieutenant named Hiroo Unoda stationed in Lubang a tiny island in the Philippines and he stayed there for 30 years before he uh, got word that the war had ended the Japanese government declared him dead in 1959 15 years after the war ended and he eventually was returned with a hero's welcome in 1974. But he never got the memo. The war is over. And that's one thing that I'm looking at. I'm not saying that there aren't battles to be fought. There always are. We always have to be vigilant on stuff. Um, you know, one of the ones at Breitbart, um, lest you think I'm, I'm, I'm totally living under a rock. You know, the JCPA, the media cartel bill, which has a lot of Republicans supporting it, which is insane to me, would be a gift to both tech and the establishment media. You know, I, I don't get why some Republicans are not coached up on that. They're not, and we're trying to do that. But overall, that we need to just keep having civil wars. I, I, ideologically, people got it. China's bad, borders too open, fentanyl's bad, cartels are bad. Um, we're not all racist, etc. 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 So I, I am curious your take. If you've got a strong take one way or the other on that one, I will take your opinion. Um In terms of lame duck session, we're also covering some of the legislation that's being worked on, and one of the ones that's most interesting, perhaps, is a same-sex marriage bill since advancing, and they're considering religious freedoms exemptions to it. Liberty amendments, religious liberty amendments, pitched by Senators Lee, James Langford, Marco Rubio in particular. Uh, This is the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, which is certainly on a glad path to pass, which will codify same-sex marriage Um, but the issue is whether or not this will set people on a path to be able to target religious communities in their 501c3 status if they don't recognize the, the 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 bill itself so there these amendments are incredibly important and obviously not ground that the left wants to cede because part of their whole game plan part of their psyop is that they want to come after these religious institutions because they're one of the greatest forces for good in the country right now they want us more secular. They want us out of the churches. They want us bummed out and listening to them. So um, the, um, the, the the this is, even though it does not do a good job overall, I'm not satisfied necessarily um, with all the details of it. It is one to keep an eye on and we'll have more detailed analysis of this as time goes on at Breitbart News because the effort is clear the left that is not just get same-sex marriage into law Uh, the goal is to put on a path the ability to relinquish nonprofit status that will cripple the uh, uh, the future of our church communities around the country so worth keeping an eye on that all right I won't dwell on it quite as much as the opening of yesterday's show but of course the Kanye Trump Nick Fuentes saga continued Yesterday was a briefly very exciting moment where Kanye, um, Milo Yiannopoulos, and Nick Fuentes all took a private plane to do Tim Pool's podcast. Uh, Tim Pool is a huge podcast, mostly on YouTube. It's also elsewhere. It's a live stream. I did it a couple of months ago with Robert Davi, and it was pretty great. I have to say that that was a really exciting—it was the exact day of Joe Biden's uh, speech from hell— uh, uh, speech. So, any of you who are so inclined to go uh, check that out, it's a pretty good show overall. Um, and so, uh, it's a very popular show, particularly with millennials and even people younger than millennial age, which is good because people are not reached with any anti woke values. Uh, Tim is not a conservative per se, but he's kind of a de, de facto conservative now because he's extremely anti woke. And Kanye comes on, and he's on for like twenty minutes or so. And I was not sure if I was going to watch. Um, it was coming on right around where I was I normally, you know, play music and have a dance party with my small children um, that, that time of day. And I was looking forward to that. And I said, all right, I guess I'll listen to another podcast. And I turn it on and um, there's Kanye there. There's the racist Nick Fuentes. And then there's Milo. Um, a, <laughs> all, all, all the trolls getting all the publicity. And it's funny because I was sent a photo of them taking a private plane to the podcast. Which is, you know, when I did the podcast, I flew coach, and then I was driven in a CR like a Honda CRV to the podcast um, by a very nice young man, which was an hour and a half drive from, from you know DC ballpark. And I was in Kanye taking the private plane, and we're going to hear how he's a big victim of people. He's a big victim of who the Jewish media, where I Breitbart at Breitbart, where I'm a half Jewish person by blood. And I work for a company that is owned and edited by Jews. And I get to fly a private plane when I go to Tim Pool's podcast. So that irony was there. It was there for me. I was kind of laughing at it. And by the time I turned it on, Kanye was about to get up and leave over nothing, literally nothing. Mildest, the most mildest of uh, questioning of his blaming uh, all the struggles he's going through in life on the Jews. Um, he got up and left, and so did the others as well. So, which is a shame. Uh, so, Kanye canceling himself, and then Kanye's War Room, which is a pro Kanye account, um, you know, tweeting a photo of Tim Pool not looking great, like with his appearance, and like like it's just mean spirited, just mean spirited. And the cancel culture is not as in play here as people think. It's a Kanye canceling himself. He's a massive platform again. He's one of the most platform people. And then he just leaves the interview for who knows what. I would have liked to have heard these people explain the radical views that have captivated so much of my audience and other audiences over the last um, few weeks. It was a form, it's a long form interview. So it's a two, two hour interview, no breaks with three very smart people, all of whom have some ideas that you either don't like or would find appalling or somewhere in between. But uh, I found that to be a very weak move, and I don't know how he's going to return from that. Um, But he will. He'll figure out a way. He will absolutely figure out a way. Um, Okay, Uh, next up. Oh, yeah. So uh, Mike Pence called on Trump to apologize for the white nationalist dinner. Uh, I don't know what the apology does, but it just does remind people that um, Pence will probably run for president, um, which will be interesting because Pence did such a good job of balancing Um, not coming off as a crazy person and standing by President Trump until January the 6th, where he was backed into this incredible corner, where he could have interfered with the certification of the election, uh, which would have appeased Trump's base, but uh, could have set him up for a lot of headaches for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life would have been defined by that moment. And it still might, which is unfortunate. Um, and if you want my take on that and you're new to the broadcast, uh, the idea that a vice president can just stop an election because they feel like it is insane. So it, it would mean that if uh, somehow a Republican wins in 2024, Kamala Harris can just stop it. But that, nope, nope, Biden's in. Or we're going to keep counting until Biden wins. The, an absurd argument that was made to you by other people on talk radio and in podcasts uh, and that, that that could happen. And of course, it was never going to happen. And you were lied to in uh, just know that. So uh, you have to be, uh, credibility matters, in my opinion. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you just want happy talk. Um, Zionist Organization of America, Mort Klein, has said Trump is not an anti-Semite, but he legitimizes Jew hatred. Pretty intense. Klein just given Trump an award. Um, Kanye was saying that America is run by 300 Zionists. Great. Terrific influence. I think about this stuff with my point about the private plane. Uh, you know, we had a story at Breitbart on the the rapper Lizzo, who's a morbidly obese woman who we've all decided we're madly in love with as a society, or at least our establishment media is. And she's called pop music a racist. She's called it inherently racist. This is a person who's being fed by the entirety of the establishment press right now to the point where she, a person who's, Unhealthfully overweight uh, is being hailed as one of the beauties of our age, and if you think I'm exaggerating, just go online and look it up. As people have been known to say, so she's saying that that pop music is racist inherently. How many terrific pop stars have risen to the top, the literal top of the American culture? Uh, if you look at American culture right now, some of the biggest acts, I'm thinking about Lizzo, I'm thinking about Kanye, I'm thinking about Drake, about uh, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, all these artists who are at the, the whenever they put out an album, the top, the all 10 songs on it go to number one on Spotify. Like, it's the, what, what is the inherent racism? Like, could you imagine how popular Lizzo would be if we weren't also racist? This is the point that's absurd to me and why the media plays along with this is just, uh, it's just so weak. It's a week. Can't people say you don't? Do you have to be super woke to be able to just say, "Yeah, well, I don't know about that." I mean, I don't know if it's that racist. I didn't even think of Beyonce. Thank you, producer Zach. Um, Howard Stern, to his credit, was calling out Oprah for flaunting her wealth too much on Instagram. Another person who has just been a huge victim of oppression. Um, I was looking at the book scan numbers. For uh, the the publishing industry, as you guys know of, of which I'm a part at this point, and I check out uh, who sold the most books last week. And the uh, uh, Michelle Obama put a book out. Mike Pence put a book out. Um, they're number one and two, respectively, the New York Times bestseller list. Um, Harris Faulkner also has a book out on um, uh, on on the power of prayer. Harris Faulkner is a Black Fox News contributor. Mike Pence, who is a relatively popular figure in conservative circles, has storied history, is one of the great rhetoricians of our time, is someone who's got a lot of respect on a lot of sides of the aisle. Whether you like him or she's your cup of tea, his book sold 37,000 copies, which is a huge number. Harris Faulkner's book on prayer sold 59,000 copies last week. And Michelle Obama's uh, latest book sold 144,000 copies. 144,000 copies of any book in a week is uh, just absolutely gargantuan. Could you imagine about how many books Michelle Obama would would sell if she wasn't uh, the victim of such racism or Harris Faulkner? And imagine how few books Mike Pence would have sold if it wasn't all all of us whites getting together to buy books. Uh, Why do we have to keep acting like we're such a horrible country? Because it is a narrative. It's a political narrative that favors the left. And that's how we get to places like Joe Biden's gender fluid uh, official, Sam Brinton, who is the bald man who dresses, wears a mustache, but also lipstick and dresses. Um, And was hired by the Biden administration just to troll us. MIT graduate though. Openly gender fluid, could be two spirit, could be three spirit, could be four spirit, hard to know, maybe even five spirit. And was charged with a felony last month for allegedly stealing a woman's luggage. At least it was consistent, though, that it was a woman's luggage. If it was some really, you know, if it was like a male to me briefcase, I'd go. I don't know about that. No, but this is women's luggage, thousands of dollars worth, a navy blue Vera Bradley roller bag stolen by a lunatic who works for Joe Biden. And is a um, was put in there clearly to troll people like me and my audience. There's no way that Joe Biden couldn't have found someone for this role that didn't openly spit in the face of a lot of the uh, of a lot of conservative America. Assistant Secretary of the Office of Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition in the Department of Energy where Mr. Brinton rolls in in heels and dresses and um, women's outfits, but still a bald head and a mustache. This was the individual who was uh, the part of this kink class in the University of Nebraska, where he had uh, people in dresses uh, and leather dog masks. You're not savory people. And these are who the Democrats, even Joe Biden himself, world's oldest man, promote in our society, and they're also criminals. Let's see what happens. It appears. Boston Children's Hospital has admitted a 14-year-old, That 14-year-olds are pursuing transgender surgery. Uh, We've indoctrinated our young people into a cult. This is why we talk about grooming. This is why I brought this up in uh, the interview with Dan Gaynor yesterday, Uh, but I do recommend that everyone read these entire articles. The, The Washington Post theater critic Peter Marks praising a brilliant play that features rapists and pedophiles and thinks of them in a sympathetic way. John Nolte's got a big write-up of this. So this play portrays pedophiles and a racist, I'm sorry, not a racist, as a sympathetic victim. Um, And the victims of the pedophilia are portrayed as whiners, apparently, in the play. Uh, This is not impossible to have content that humanizes people who have horrible characteristics. You know, there's been lots of famous movies. I think maybe the, you know, the one that comes to mind first is Downfall, which is a Hitler movie. We're trying to show the humanity of certain people who do hideous things. Uh, and sometimes movies are good. Sometimes they have something to say about humanity. But do you think it's noteworthy now that we, you got the Washington Post reviewing what is described as a scintillating new play? That ruminates on the idea that punishments inflicted on some pedophiles are so harsh and unrelenting unrel- uh, as to be inhumane. Is there is there any other, do we talk about that with murderers? Do we talk about that with other violent criminals? Maybe we do now. Maybe that's what, how we think of things. So we're supposed to sympathize with the molesters um, and see the, the victim, according to the Washington Post, as an indulgent marinating in self-pity. All right. Uh, it just, it just. Uh, what about, it, it, what would happen, John Oldie points this out in our write-up of Breitbart, if this was a play about male rapists, like cis-hetero white males of privilege, maybe who grew up upper middle class, uh, if we'd a play humanizing them, would that be tolerated by our society? Or would there be some cancellations going on? No, there wouldn't be. It would not be tolerated. It would be, everyone would be attacked mercifully, unmercifully. I'm kind of saying the opposite thing a couple of times today. Get that under control. All right, so the World Health Organization says monkey pox is racist. It wants to call it pox now. This is where our focus is. Uh, I brought this up with Jerome Hudson yesterday on our interview, that the Phoenix Suns now are getting attacked for their gorilla mascot. We find racism wherever... People congregate. There will be racism now. The term monkeypox, which which does not refer to anything to do with any human being of color, is now racist. Gorilla mask is now racist. The good news, though, is some of the stuff is not real. Some of it is just. Noise and some, there is some good stuff going on. Friday, the FBI ran 192,749 background checks. So that those are all people who are attempting to purchase firearms. Number of Americans carrying guns jumps uh, at least 6 million. So These are people who just walk around a gun on their hip in their life. And that's a good sign. People using their second amendments, trying to protect themselves, not trusting the government to do all that for them. So we're seeing some hope in our society right now. Uh, But again, it's much more easy to indulge in some of the negativity. I know I'm a part of that in a major way. Sometimes the negative stuff is more compelling. Um, But there is some good silver linings out there. The White House is basically ignored China's violent crackdowns. They put out delayed statements saying, are you guys sitting down? They support rights to protest. How cool is that? These guys are brave and bold. They support the right to protest. They sure do. They don't think of this as a historic thing. They're not pointing out that years of lockdowns and abuse have triggered anti-communist protests nationwide, maybe the biggest uprising in Xi Jinping in his history. And it's because of draconian authoritarianism from Xi Jinping. This is an opportunity for at least the world to get acculturated to the fact that she is a dictator an authoritarian and is not democratically elected democracy is at stake here and this is an opportunity to hold the bad guy um up to the light of day but that's not what the white house does they put out toast statements that are late chinese bots are filling twitter with porn which is really interesting to spam the protest accounts so i guess this is their way of trying to distract people but um this is what if you follow elon musk twitter account who doesn't He was pretty amped up about this, trying to figure out how to deal with it. So, but it is a, uh, that's the tactic that's going on, that a Chinese psyop to put um, porn on Twitter to distract people. is one of the most popular and well-known Catholic commentators and reporters in all of the country, but you probably know him best from his regular hits with Laura Ingram on Fox, which are pretty constant, but he's a pretty prolific author he's written uh, young adult books he's written non-fiction books and he's got a children's book out where he's done some deep research into the true story of christmas and he's turned it into something that's pretty glossy and a uh, good looking uh, as i noted in the opening i've not read it yet but i did buy it and intend uh, intend to and i'll report back if it's as good as it looks uh, but let's hear from raymond arroyo my first question raymond thanks for joining me uh what do you mean by untold
1: no pleasure alex well, I, did, I spent months and months researching. Alex, I started this looking for a, a, a legend about the wise men that I could tell. You know, kind of a fantastical fun tale for the family. So that's what I was looking for. Well, as I went out, I discovered everything you and, and myself and most of your listeners probably know of the wise men turns out to be legendary and false. Uh, there were, You know the old song, We Three Kings of Orient Are? There sure. were probably more than three of them. The Gospel only talks about three gifts, not three wise men. Uh, the Coptic Church says there might have been 60 wise men. The Syrians and Armenians say there were 12 in 1st and 2nd century documents, wow. so we just don't know. But there were more than three. They weren't kings, Alex. That was a creation in the 6th century. Uh, they came up with the kings and gave them these names, and, and they weren't from the Far East. Justin Martyr, Clement of Rome, 1st century sources say the wise men came from... From Arabia. So once I started looking into that, I said, wait a minute, where in Arabia did these guys come from, and why have I never heard this story before? So I started digging, and what I discovered was a story far more fascinating. Certainly the stakes are a lot higher for these wise men. This was not some royal gift drop-off, Alex. This was a high stake stakes adventure with a group of men who felt drawn to something larger than themselves, and were willing to risk their lives and endure the murderous threats of King Herod to get to this light, to get to this child and this Messiah whom they believed was on the other side of the Dead Sea. They were probably in modern day Petra is where these wise men came from and the gifts are good indications
2: of
0: that. It's so interesting because I'd always been struck by in the Gospels how there is uh, the unity in terms of the the story of Easter, but there isn't with the story of of Christmas. The story of Christmas is That's different right. from gospel to gospel. And I always find that very striking. And so you didn't just think that there's a message in that. You thought, well, I want to figure it out. I want to figure out what the actual story is, which, right. is, which is such right. a cool well, endeavor.
1: I, and, and Alex, I consulted, in fact, at Fox Nation, we're doing this whole special where I interview biblical scholars, astronomers, uh, uh, and anti- experts in antiquity, uh, archaeologists, and we unearth a lot of this material that I stumbled on. But The reason Matthew opened, Matthew is the only one, you're quite right, who opens his Gospel with these Magi. Why? Why do we get these fantastical figures opening the Gospel? Well, it's because he was writing for a Jewish audience. At least that's what biblical scholars believe. And therefore, he's opening with the prophecies. He wants his Jewish audience to know, look, this Messiah fits into the prophecies we have here. Now, the question is, Alex, who, if they were Persians or from the Far East, Why would they risk all of this, going through political barriers and from one kingdom to another, risking their heads to get to this kid? There had to be a religious impulse. There had to be something larger than just seeing a star in the sky. The star was a confirmation. So once you do that, and my take is they're either Persian priests, members of a Persian priesthood of some sort, these magi, or they are descendants of the first temple priesthood, the expelled Jewish royal priesthood, the Order of Melchizedek, who were thrown out 700 years before Jesus and were living in Petra, that kingdom of Nabatae. So um, whatever the story, it was either one of those, and I kind of account for both of them in my story, allowing both to live, but it's the first time the story's been put in a historic setting, but it's for the whole family. And the point is, you know, having, being called to the truth, you know this, Alex, there's a cost for being called to the truth. But you have to get on your horse and you have to run toward it. And even at Christmas, when we cast our gaze down and we're worried about flight arrangements and what are we eating and who's coming over and what do I have to buy next, these wise men kept their eyes ever upward. They were looking to God and to truth and for something larger than themselves. And it seems to me that's where we have to cast our eyes, not only at Christmas, but throughout the year. It's the best posture for all of us.
0: Uh, the wise men who found christmas is the new book out from raymond arroyo from the Sophia institute press good people over there uh, i'm relieved you did this as a children's book because i have three young children and i'm constantly looking for things like this to read to them and i i've i've purchased a book i haven't read it yet uh, full disclosure but, but I, I did buy I, I am a buyer of it so um it is on the way um uh, why a children's book you've written for young adults you've written for adults why kids here
1: well, look, because I, how do we encounter the wise men? You and I encountered the wise men as children under a tree or, or in the corner of a church in a nativity scene or on a picture that we see, you know, Christmas card. So my thought was we encounter these, these figures that have become so ubiquitous and so tied to the Christmas season, but we know nothing about them. So I thought, if I'm going to reach families and adults, I have to reach children as well. So I wanted it to be a family conversation. And look, it is written as a fun family adventure. Children love this story. I have a secret narrator in the book. It's beautifully illustrated by Diane Lafayre, who did my, my illustrations in this book. But um, I love the story, but it's a real quest for truth. It's about the quest for truth. And these wise men repeat lines throughout that change as the story goes on. We have to We have to go to the king, we have to follow the light, and we have to hasten to the truth. And that becomes sort of the the watchword for each of these wise men. And I've decided to confine it to three major figures. But if you look at my first spread in the book, there are twelve men on the top of the rooftop in Petra. Interesting. You can see the star. So I like that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm hedging my bets here, Alex. But it right. is for the whole family, and I think I hope it becomes part of people's Christmas tradition.
0: And, yeah, I uh, can't be part
1: of their family tradition.
0: I, I can't wait to get my hands on it. It just looks like perfect for uh, my per, my particular phase of life, which uh, is personally exciting. Um, but tell me a little bit uh, about something that you think really stunned you when you were doing your research. Was there anything where you where you just thought, "Wow, I can't believe no one's thought of this before," or I'm the first on Earth? That.
1: There is a woman, Margaret Barker, and Margaret is not alone. There are other antiquities experts, and she was the first I stumbled on and found out she was right. Margaret has a theory, and again, I, I lead with, this is a theory, but boy, is it a good one that fits. And, it, and it, it explains why Matthew would put the wise men at the top of his Gospel. This is going to blow your mind and make your Christmas. Every time you see the wise men, you're going to think of this. Um, she believes they, they are expelled members of that first temple priesthood. That is the Order of Melchizedek that Catholics will be familiar with. You hear it at every Mass. We're part of the Order of Melchizedek, um, the, the royal high priesthood. They were expelled. They were living in Petra in exile. 700 years later, their descendants may have been these educated men who were a consults to the king, well versed in the Jewish scripture and the, the prophecies. It may be those descendants who are the wise men. They run after this Christ child, not just to go see him or to bring him a gift, but those particular gifts frankincense was burned in the first temple gold was woven into the vestments of that royal priesthood Alex but most importantly and this is the killer myrrh which was a medicinal Mm. it was used for one purpose in the first temple and never used again it was kept in the holy of holies it was an oil myrrh oil and it was used to anoint kings and new members of the royal priesthood so these wise men may have been going out not just to see this child and to visit him and do a drop-off, but to anoint him and welcome him into the royal priesthood, restoring the first temple and the old ways of Judaism. When you think of it that way, and you look at it that way, suddenly, you, you, it, for me at least, the lights go on for why Matthew would open a gospel this way, and why these three figures enigmatic, dramatic, exciting, exotic, have endured 2,000 years later, and we're still talking about them today and representing them. So, pretty cool way to look at the whole the whole scene anew, and that's all I'm trying to do. Get people to look at the historic reality and the possibilities.
0: The wise men who found Christmas out now, picture book, hardcover, you can get it, uh, you know, tomorrow on your favorite uh, the store where you'd like to buy online and uh, i know you've got some dates raymond you're going on a tour um do you want to plug any of those before i let you run
1: i am yeah i mean look i'm in nashville tennessee at the cool spring of barnes and noble this weekend on saturday uh i'm at the museum of the bible i'm doing a a, a speech on all of this and and a book signing uh on the 10th so dot all the dates are there and you can get the book everywhere barnes and noble amazon wherever you buy your books
0: thanks raymond talk to you soon Thank
1: you, Alex. Merry Christmas. Talk to you.
0: Merry Christmas to you. none other than Herschel Walker, the man of the hour. In a lot of ways, his runoff is just a week away and a big deal, a lot at stake if he can win this thing. And uh, most importantly, no more six years of Raphael Warnock, who is one of the worst senators we've got. And I think Herschel could do a pretty good job if he's in there. Uh, But we get more of his take on the race and the latest developments and his efforts to turn out the vote, which I do believe is the biggest hurdle, is can he get enough people to turn in their ballots? That is the question. So let's hear from Herschel. Kershaw, thank you so much for coming back on the broadcast. Can you just give us a quick overview of the race and the runoff so far before I get into some specifics?
2: Well, right now, you know, we just started early voting, and uh, everyone is getting out uh, voting, and I want more people to get out and vote. I want them to have their vote counted and their voices heard. Uh, And I think everybody is, uh, that's one of the things I'm doing right now is trying to get out and get people out to vote and make sure they get out and vote, vote, vote. And the left has continued to raise money and try to put uh, misleading messages out. And I want people to know the truth that we're right now hurting. Right now we're hurting because of this inflation. We're hurting because of the border, crime on the street, which is a lot of things that the left really do not want to talk about. They want to talk about everything else except that.
0: Uh, you've been running something called the Evict Warnock tour, uh, which is pretty brilliant because it's a reference to his, uh, the, to to zoning and how Warnock's church ran an apartment building that evicted all these people. Which is not very Christmassy, by the way, Herschel. We're heading in the Christmas season. Uh, tell me about the tour and uh, how the inspiration for it.
2: Well, one of the things that uh, that happened is during the debate. I don't know if any if anyone watched the debate. This was information that came upon me. During the debate that he was evicting people for as little as twenty dollars when yet he's making seven four hundred dollars a month uh in his housing allowance and he's evicting people for as less as twenty eight dollars and then these people are living in, in in filth and feces, and there was a dead body found in this apartment unit that his church owned ninety nine percent of it and what he got me is when he wanted to use Dr. King' name that uh, because we now have discovered this, that we're, uh, he said we're, looking, we're making the Dr. King name look bad, and we also, uh, by talking about him, we're offending Jesus. And it's almost insulting that whenever he tried to uh, cover up what he's doing, he brings Dr. King's name in and he brought Jesus Christ's name in. But I wanted people to know he's not Jesus Christ and he's not Dr. King. He's taking advantage of people. And, you know, as a senator, he's taking advantage of people as well, because he went to Washington and said he was going to represent Georgia, but yet he voted with Joe Biden 96% of the time, which people have said they're headed in the wrong direction. And the, the things he's voted for, being a man out of cloth, when he voted against religious liberty. Right. I How can a man out of cloth vote against religious liberties unless he has no clue of what he's doing, and he's not representing Georgia to the best of his ability?
0: Yeah, this is the next thing i was going to mention is that uh, biden has basically run a, a playbook of uh a, the anti-religious freedom uh values at least as much as you can get away with it in a country that is essentially has freedom of religion and warnock votes with biden a hundred percent of the time on these topics uh, how would you differ as a senator in that regard
2: well the way i differ first of all i'll become energy independent again right now we're talking to Venezuela. this is a dictator told to Venezuela this is a dictator and i become energy independent again because we also put ourselves out of national security problem and people don't understand we're going to create jobs by becoming energy independent again we're going to get this economy stirred up by creating jobs and i get rid of some of these uh these uh, government regulations. i believe in the people i don't believe in the government you know the government should stand out of the way and let the people flourish and that's what i believe in so that's the first thing I said I want to do is become energy independent again because it helps national security as well. And the next thing I want to do is try to bring some unity between the citizen and our law enforcement. Right now, I think uh, because of defunding the police movement that started from our leaders in Washington, defunding the police, that made it very, very difficult to be a police officer today. You know, this is the most difficult time to be a police officer when yet they're like any other mom, dad, sister, brother, they want to go home safe as anyone else, and they are doing their job. Their uniform is only on as they're doing their job, but they, re- they remove their uniform, and they become like anyone else. But yet we've had no respect for our law enforcement. Well, I do respect them. I know that they have a difficult job like anyone else, and but we have leaders in Washington that has forgotten about it, and the guy I'm running against have called them name and haven't apologized. Same thing with our military. The same thing is in schools. That This is less than two short years. This has happened to the greatest country in the world. We're not leaders that we used to be. We used to be leaders around the world. Right now, we're not a leader anymore. And when America leads, this whole world does well. Well, right now, we're not leaders. We're not sure what we are right now.
0: You probably have taken the most attacks from the establishment media of any candidate during this entire election cycle. Uh, do you feel like that's hurt your campaign, or do you feel like that that's actually maybe buoyed some support behind you? And and what's your overall message to the establishment media for this runoff?
2: Well, well, I think it's a combination of both. Uh, the media is not my friend. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because Senator not you know, people know him best that he's a good actor, and I think he's proven he's a good actor because. Most of the uh, ads he's ran has all been negative. Everything has been negative. But yet, I built a very successful company. Over a $100 million company I built in my hands. And all he's ever done is, is, is got money from parishioners and taxpayers. And yet, he's in Dr. King's church. I mean, all he talks about is the color of people's skin rather than the content of their character. And I, and I went out, and I want people to know I will represent them because I have had my downfalls. You're, you're 100% correct, but I've gotten up every time and been successful because I know how to do that. But yet right now, what we got going on right now is leaders in Washington that are very weak. They're showing weakness around the world when you're giving your energy to other people, your enemies. We're talking to terrorists, and you have a border wide open, crime on the street. That's because of weakness. And I tell people this, my father told me no, he meant no. And I think we need to get leaders that they know how to say no, they know how to quit spending money we don't have. And, you know, you got to take care of home first. Take care of home first. And then we can be generous and help other people. But first, let's help the people here in the United States of America. And we need to get back to representing the United States of America and get it back to this Constitution. I think if we get back to those things, we can get things back under control again.
0: So one thing that came up, I think you overheard it, the last caller was bringing up, how do we get through to more people? Uh, Can we debate them more often? And your race is case in point on this. There's only one debate in your race. Uh, It was before the general election. There's no debates in the runoff. Uh, Would you like to have more debates? And why is it that it seemed like this election cycle so many Democrats kept avoiding debating Republicans?
2: Well, first of all, their message, they have a terrible message. Their policies that they've done have been absolutely terrible. So how can they defend those policies? And yet what they try to do, and you see it happening right now, they are making a lot of money and fundraising. So the messages they're putting out are misleading people. Because they're making so much money, they're misleading people. They're not talking about the policies that they've released. So people are a little bit confused. Right now, this country is hurting. This economy is hurting. And I think it started from uh, them getting rid of the Keystone Pipeline. Right now, you're going to say they're creating jobs. That, that's not true. You're not creating jobs, and yet jobs are only going back up because there was a, they, because of the pandemic, so things are opening back up. But you're not creating any new jobs, and all our uh, jobs are over in other countries. Right now, you see what's happening in China. They're not talking about that. But yet, we're giving chips. We're giving everything to China, and we want to defend The people over in China that said what is happening is wrong. So uh, the people need to know right now this freedom of speech, we're trying to erase that from America. This is the liberties and freedoms that so many people die for in this country that we have leaders in Washington want to erase it. Well, I'm going to fight for that. And I told people this, I didn't go to Washington because I wanted to be a politician. You know, people say, I don't have to do this. And that is not correct. I was not going to sit home and watch them continue to do to the finest country in the world today, United States of America, destroyed this country by putting people in office that forgotten about the United States of America.
0: Herschel Walker is my guest. He is running for Senate in Georgia. The runoff is just about a week away. And if you're not involved now, I don't know what uh, more I can say. This is for very high stakes here. Uh, a few more Herschel to wrap up the, the the interview. The biggest struggle here is not your ideas. I don't even think it's the media attacks on you. I think the biggest hurdle for Republicans in this runoff is the Democrats community organizing prowess and their ability to get people to turn in votes, particularly mail vo- votes, relative to Republicans. Uh, what is the strategy for your campaign in this regard? Or oh, What are you guys doing to try to bridge that gap?
2: Well, you know, I'm getting out meeting the people, and you're 100% correct by that. You know, I think people are used to seeing someone that's a politician in the Republican Party. They're not used to seeing a person like myself, a black man that's talking conservative, a black man that's talking about uh, all the freedoms and liberties, and that's one reason I'm being attacked so, uh, so tough because I want people to know Everyone can have what I have, but we have to work and we have to work together. We have to come together. We can't continue to divide. I think the left has been very good at dividing. They've been very good at separating. Been very good at talking about racism. Right now, racism has become a big issue. And I told everyone this here. I said, let's be honest in this instance right here. First of all, is the best one to beat Senator one up because being a black man, a conservative black man, or going against a black man and Dr. King's church that talks uh, about Dr. King, but yet he don't preach what Dr. King preaches. And he don't preach in church what the Bible says. The Bible says a house divided cannot stand. The Bible does not say America need to uh, repent for it whiteness. That's what he says in his church. He says that in his church. He tried to separate people in his church. And I said that is the reason I have to run because he cannot be in a church separating people you not cannot be in a church talking bad about our military the greatest fighting force ever assembled in the world today is the united states military but yet they're bringing pronouns weakness to our military that leaves us in a terrible national security problem
0: um president trump has not rallied for you in the runoff season Uh, did you want him to rally for you i imagine that was discussed
2: He's been doing things for me. He's been doing a lot of, like, telephone, different things for me. And, you know, one of the things I told a lot of people, I said, guys, this election is about what the people know Herschel Walker is going to do for Georgia. When I got into this race, I said, I'm getting into this race for the people of Georgia. And I said, I right, I encourage anyone that want to come down to speak. I encourage them to come down to help me to win this seat. But this race is about Herschel Walker. You know, the first thing people say, he's a football player. He's this, he's that. They don't know all the other things I've done outside of football. I haven't played football in 30 something years and people are still talking about football. That's true. i created a business, over a 20 something year business, a hundred million dollar business. I created it by working with, on my hands, by working with my hands. You know, I've been done, I've done so many other things. I spent almost 15 years every three weeks at a military base, remove stigma from mental health, try to move the stigma of mental health. I did that. So I said, I want people to know other things I've done outside of football that I think I've been more successful doing that than I have football. So I said, it's about what people need to know I can do for them. And what I can do for them is continue to fight for the Georgia people and continue to fight for the people of the United States.
0: You had a moment that went viral recently, where you were likening Warfield Warnock to elements of the vampire movie *Fright Night*. I-, I love the movie *Fright Night*, and I love that rant you were on. And people were sending it to me. And I don't know if they were trying to point out something that you were doing good or bad or indifferent, but I thought it looked like you were having so much fun. Are you having fun on the campaign trail because you're getting attacked uh, I'm so much? But
2: fun and one thing. I am having fun, but one thing that Raphael Warnock is not doing, and that's why I say he's misleading the people, and this guy's got a lot of money misleading people. Why don't they hear the rest of the story? In that movie, I talked about faith. you got to have faith, and I tell the people of uh, that I'm talking to to have faith, and that's what the end of that speech is talking about, having faith, getting up, having faith, getting up, doing the right thing. So he never tell the people the end of the story, and if you watch my debate, that's one of the things I told him. I said he's bearing false witness because that's what he does. Whenever you get in trouble, he throws a Bible verse at you. But he don't continue the Bible verse. So during the debate, I, he didn't realize that I was brought up in the church. So you can try that on me, but it doesn't work because I said you have to continue the Bible verse. You can't just say half of it. you got to continue this story. And they're not continuing this story. They let people know that vampire movie I'm talking about talks about faith. And that's what I was talking about in the, in the movie.
0: I like it so much. Uh, Herschel Walker, your race is one week away for the runoff. Anything that you want to leave the audience with today?
2: Well, what i like to tell the people today is, uh, you know, uh, go to TeamHerschel.com. We're not going to let them buy this seat. Right now, they've proven in less than two short years what they're going to do to this country. I think you can see it. If you can't see it, you got to at least feel it. You, sit, you feel it when you go to the gas pump. You feel it when you go to the grocery store. We just got old Thanksgiving. You had to feel it when you were at your Thanksgiving table. You see what they're doing in our schools and our military, the crime on the street, this open border. This is what they've done to this country in two short years. And you're asking for six more from Senator Warnock, And I'm not sure if we can put up with it for six more years.
0: I, I wish you the best of luck, and it's, the election is just a week away. So, if you haven't gotten involved yet, uh, I encourage you to do so. Thanks, Herschel.
2: Hey, thank you, Nine. God bless. I got
0: American part. I got American faith. That's today's broadcast. Thanks very much to Zach Jones and Greg Evan, who produced the show, Robert Marlowe, Healthy Pick Complex, And as always, thanks to you, my terrific audience. We'll talk to you next time.